Hi, it's Michael Moore, and uh, this is my podcast, Rumble with Michael Moore. I have to say, it's, it's not often I have good news, but uh, last Tuesday in the state of Michigan, the day of the Michigan Democratic primary, over 100,000 voters came out to send a message to Joe Biden that there must be a ceasefire to the massacre in Gaza immediately. Remember a week ago, I was encouraging people to get out to vote. A group of us put together uh, this campaign called Listen to Michigan, asking voters in the Democratic Party on the Democratic primary ballot, instead of voting for Biden, there's a line on that ballot that says I'm committed. Doesn't necessarily mean you're against Biden. It certainly doesn't mean you want Trump back in the White House because nobody has signed up for that. But because Joe Biden, sadly, has made his reelection more difficult for not just himself, but for a lot of people, because his position on embracing Benjamin Netanyahu, endorsing the war, funding the war, sending more uh, armaments and battleships and whatever else, he jumped right to it uh, when there was this horrific massacre on October 7th, people connected to Hamas stormed into Israel and killed over a thousand people and took a couple of hundred hostages. And I think everybody remembers that day. I remember waking up to it here in the U.S. And, um, you know, nobody likes to hear the news of the killings of any other humans. I would hope that's everybody's position. But uh, in this case, the Hamas attackers were surprised that there were no people in the Israeli army there to stop them. It was very weird, still weird, that they kind of just were able to waltz into Israel from Gaza. Gaza's a penned-in, you know, 25 square miles of land. Or I mean, there's not a lot there, but they've been trapped in there for over 15 years. It's an outdoor prison. And uh, there are these guard towers and everything that surround the whole place. You can't, can't get in, can't get out. And unless you have a special work visa to work in Israel, because the Israelis need workers there. So some of them get to go there and work, but that's it. And on October 7th, they found uh, essentially an undefended border between Gaza and Israel. And uh, the people uh, in the various villages, Israelis close to Gaza, found themselves uh, being attacked and calling for help. And the army and the police just weren't there. A few police were able to show up, but it really, it really seemed like... Um, well, and what we know from just reading the Israeli press, Prime Minister Netanyahu had already removed a lot of the security from the border and sent it up to the Lebanese border and sent it into the West Bank to help the settlers there steal more land and hurt more Palestinians and and just left the people, the Israelis, who live on the border with Gaza completely unprotected, not defended, and many, many, many of them died. Um, why? Well, I, you know, there's already been some good investigative reports, and I, I assume more will come. 
because the Israeli people are asking the same thing too and are wondering why Netanyahu is even still in power considering his one main job to protect them. He completely failed at it. So um, so the, the Netanyahu's response, as we all know, for the last nearly five months now, has um, been to slaughter as many Palestinians as possible, to push them from the north to the south, and it seems like wanting to push them into the Sinai, certainly not recognize them as human beings, and to get them out of the land that Israel wants uh, for itself. And so we've been witness to this now. Uh, Joe Biden went over there the first week or so, gave a big hug to Netanyahu and told him, we're here for you. I don't know who the we are is because the vast majority of Americans don't support President Biden doing what he's done here. I, and I hope, I hope people in Israel know that too, and I hope people in Palestine know that. That when I am saying these things, I am, I am part of that majority. Vast majority of Americans uh, do not support genocide. They do not support apartheid. They do not support giving Netanyahu more money, more leeway to do whatever the hell he wants. And so a group of people in Michigan, and, and uh, I'm one of many, that's all, I'm not the leader of this or anything, but I am I got involved and we only had a few weeks. It's not much time to plan a movement or a campaign so that people, when they went to vote in the primary last Tuesday, had a line on the ballot where if they don't support what President Biden's been doing with Palestine, they could mark a box called uncommitted. Again, I, I don't really mean to speak for anybody but myself, but I can tell you what a lot of us felt, that this was a way for people to go to the polls and actually have a say, actually send a message, stop this, stop the slaughter, uh, get Netanyahu to do a ceasefire here, and then sit down at a peace table and work this out. Now, I know there are some of you listening to this that hate all of those ideas, especially working it out. I get your mail. Don't worry. Like I said, I read all the emails I get. I have to say it's pretty shocking to read actual letters from people talking about the Palestinians as if they're animals, less than human, not worth the life that they have, and feeling very justified in committing this extreme act of revenge. While these Hamas attacker terrorists, they killed a thousand of ours, we're going to kill 30,000 of theirs. With the thought that somehow this will put an end to all the fighting that's been going on for all these years. And of course, if you have half a brain, you know that's not going to happen. What has happened, though, of those 30,000, two-thirds of which, 20,000 of them are children, babies, the elderly, and of course, the majority of, of the dead are women. I don't think they were the terrorists we're supposed to be afraid of, right? But it sure gave a good excuse to just start carpet bombing the Gaza Strip, cut off the food, cut off the lights, cut off the water, starve them to death, make them die of dehydration, all sorts of ways. 
It's so brutal and so cruel, and I know I don't have to convince them, the majority of you of that. And the people of Israel have spoken out against Netanyahu. They can't wait to be able to vote him out of office. Every poll shows that. And of course, our, our Jewish sisters and brothers here in this country have been very vocal against what the Netanyahu government has done here in these last five months. Um, murder is murder. And to have a policy of collective punishment. In other words, if these few people who committed murder are Palestinian, therefore all Palestinians are murderers, and therefore we can kill all Palestinians. That is basically the policy that's in action right now and has been for the last five months. So <laughs> it's um, it's something that a lot of us, a lot of you just can't tolerate. So we got busy and organized just a few weeks before this primary, telling people, you know, there's a way to have your say here. If you're worried about hurting Biden, doesn't necessarily mean that. Certainly none of us want Trump back in the White House. And Joe Biden has brought about now less and less people are planning to vote for him because of his actions, especially in a place like Michigan. And as I shared with you last week, the op-ed by Michelle Goldberg, who said that what Biden is doing is he's, he is going to lose Michigan to Trump. And if he loses Michigan, he's going to lose the election. Um, so before we get into all that, uh, uh, let me just take a moment to thank our underwriter for this week's episode, and that is Shopify. Shopify is, of course, the global commerce platform used by millions of businesses all across the globe. And as Rumble listeners know, they are also a longtime supporter of my podcast. If you're looking to start your own shop or maybe to raise money for your church or school or nonprofit, or maybe you want to sell your own art or merchandise for your band or whatever, if you're looking for ways to grow your existing business, to reach out to potential people that want to support your work, check out Shopify. Whether you're selling online or in a brick and mortar store, whether you're fulfilling your first order or your millionth, Shopify's tools have got you covered. Plus, they have extensive help resources to support you and help you grow every step of the way. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash rumble. And that's all lowercase rumble is, R-U-M-B-L-E. Go to shopify.com slash rumble right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash rumble. And again, Thank you, Shopify, for supporting this podcast and for supporting my voice. All right, so let's get back to this. So here we are essentially trying to save Biden from himself, trying to get him to understand that he's got to put an end to the killing, he's got to stop funding it, and he's got to back away from people who believe in fascist ideology. And if he doesn't do that, What's going to happen is, again, people are not going to switch from voting from Biden to Trump. That's not going to happen. Nobody I know that voted for Biden before or who would vote for him again would never have a thought in their head about voting for Trump. But what's going to happen is 
a lot of people who are very um, sickened by what's being done in their name, our name, my name, your name, can't be tolerated. And let me tell you, for those of you who are hearing this and say, well, no, Mike, you can't just vote on one issue. Oh, yes, you can. Especially if that issue is, oh, we'll go back to any time in our history, just pick an issue. What if the issue is slavery? Well, now, Mike, you know, it's 1860, right? Lincoln's running. You can't just vote for Lincoln on that one issue. I mean, there's all these other issues. No, actually, you could and maybe should vote for somebody because enslaving other human beings is one of the worst crimes against humanity that you could perform. No, no, no. I mean, just I'll take it out of 1860 and bring it to right now. What if tomorrow Joe Biden announced that he's thought it over, he went to mass uh, on Sunday, you know, he's a good Catholic and uh, he's talked to some bishops and he realizes that abortion is a sin and therefore he is no longer uh, a supporter of what was called Roe v. Wade. He no longer believes that women should have the right to control their own bodies, to make their own decisions about their reproduction. And therefore he is now anti-abortion, against abortion, against a woman's right to choose. If he uttered that tomorrow, are you gonna tell me that well, you know, Mike, I, you know, I'm not a one issue voter and, you know, I can't, we can't let Trump back in the White House. So we're all just going to have to vote for Biden. Even though he just said that you, especially if you're a woman, you don't have the right to decide what to do with your body. Even though he just said that's his new position, that's his issue. And you're still going to say, Ah, uh, yeah, well, it's a weird time we live in. And, you know, we got we to gotta still vote for Biden. You wouldn't say that. You are a single issue voter on a number of particular issues. I'm going to just take a wild guess that women's rights might be one of those issues where you do not equivocate, you do not compromise, you do not negotiate who has the right to control a woman's body, right? Right? Come on, let's. Not, I mean, don't, don't. Well, well, what's Mike trying to get me to say here that I would not vote for Biden? Well, yeah, I know you're not going to vote for Trump because Trump also is anti-women, anti-women's rights, anti-choice. So no, you're not going to do that. Are you going to walk into the voting booth and, in good conscience, vote for? Someone, in this case, let's say our hypothetical here is Joe Biden, has told you that he no longer supports women's rights and no longer supports their right to choose whether or not they're going to have a baby. Really? No, of course I know the answer to this. So there are some issues where we have to draw the line. How about the planet? How about that one? What if all of a sudden Biden tomorrow said that... Uh, Environmental movement's gone too far. And, you know, we've made it this far. The planet's going to last at least a few thousand more years. So we got to stop picking on, you know, corporate America and industry and the people that need to make their money off uh, fossil fuels. 
And so therefore, I, as President Joe Biden, we're going to pull back a little bit on all this environmental stuff. I mean, I know he's not going to say that tomorrow, right? But then again, I never thought he'd be getting on a plane and hugging Benjamin Netanyahu while he was in the middle of massacring tens of thousands of Palestinians. So, so now I've learned that, yes, anything can happen. And I also know this about you listening to me right now, that if President Biden pulled back from trying to save the planet and it was no longer a priority with him, I'm not going to see you out on the street corner tomorrow going, it's okay with me. It's okay with me. I love Biden. I love Biden. It's okay with me. But he doesn't like the planet. He's Joe Biden. I'm going to vote for Biden. No, you're not. So you do have single issues that you would actually base a decision on. And of course, you're not going to vote for Trump, but maybe you'll vote third party. Maybe you'll write somebody in. Maybe something else will happen, or maybe you'll just stay home. I think that's probably the Biden campaign's worst fear. And a lot of people, I'm sure working on the campaign, know now that what they've done is what's called in political science, depressing the vote, depressing the vote. And what that means is that you take certain actions where enough voters go, I, well, kind of what it says, I'm so depressed that Biden has supported Netanyahu in murdering 30,000 people, two-thirds of them women, children, and the elderly. That I just, I don't know, I don't know what to do. And that means some of them aren't going to vote. No matter how many times I tell them, you got to vote, we got to prevent Trump from getting back in there. I'm, I'm sorry, Mike, I, I, my conscience. I, I, what am I going to say to them? You know, fuck your conscience? We got to stop Trump at all costs, even if it means 30,000 dead Palestinians. I'm not going to say that to you. And I, you know, and, and even when I've tried to talk to younger people about this, teenagers who are adults, people in their early 20s, you know, and we don't want Trump to come back here now. We don't want him back in the White House. And their answer to that is, yeah, I don't want 30,000 people being murdered in my name. Mike. So, you know what? When Trump was president, I was in my early to mid-teens. We got through four years of that. Not the best, obviously. But you, you older people, are trying to get us all worked up about, oh, this is the end. It's not the It's the beginning for us. We're 20. This is the end. Yeah, it, does sound, it sounds like more of the older generations, gloom and doom and the end is near. And then sort of the end is near. We're in the final, I don't know, let's call it the third of our lives. But to a 20-year-old who's still here, the country's still here, a lot of crap went down with Trump. But to them, they're like, so, okay, we failed to run the right Democrat. And that may happen, and we may have to put up with four more years of this. But there's a thing in the Constitution that says you only get two terms. So we'll start working right now on who's going to run in 2028. I mean, I mean, young people very sincerely and very intelligently explain to me how 
uh, AOC, AOC would actually be eligible to run this year because by the time uh, the inauguration of next year, she will have met the requirement in the Constitution that she'd be 35 years old. So they'll start working on that right now to get the right person. Oh, did I say person? Uh, I mean woman. They're going to work on getting the right woman uh, in the White House in 2028. Now, I know people, my generation, older people, you know, you're up in your 70s and 80s and you're like, what do you mean we have the time? No, I know, I know. You don't have the time because, you know, we're all heading toward a, you know, beautiful sunset. <laughs> but not, not when you're young. You were young. You were 20. Come on. They'll plan the nonviolent revolution that will need to take place so that 2028 looks nothing like 2024. And you can talk to them to your blue in the face right now, but you're not going to convince them that they should support somebody who to them is a warmonger, who to them is funding this war with billions of our dollars. You're not going to convince a 20-year-old, a 25-year-old, a 30-year-old. And, and I'll tell you why that is. In case you have forgotten, my fellow protesters against the Vietnam War. And that is young people don't like war. They hate it. They do not support Biden, no matter how much they might have loved him last year, how much they were grateful to him for giving student debt, how much they have appreciated his supportive unions. I mean, you can go down a long list of great things, actually, that Biden has done, and we all are okay. We can admit that, and you should admit it. But when somebody does 10 right things, but the 11th thing they do involves the murder of 30,000 people? No. I mean, come on. Come on, old people. Come on, everybody over 50, 55. Come on. This is why you remember how great it was to be young because what did you love? You loved life, not death. You loved being in love. You, you loved all the possibilities that were in front of you. The future, the future might, might be a little scary because of what's happening to our planet. But it's still the future and you own it. You're not in charge of it at 20. But you know it's yours. The future is yours, not a cliche. And you're going to have your opportunity to right the wrongs that the older people have committed. That's where their heads are at. That's why 2028 does not seem that far off to them. To you and I, it seems like, oh, oh, oh will I even be here? <laughs> I'm not laughing here at our eventual and um, somewhat not so far in the distant future doom. 
I am laughing at the fact that we've forgotten what it's like to be 20 or 25 years old or 30 or 35. They hate war. They hate people who start wars. And most of all, I think, and you all remember this, they hate people who send them off to war to die. And certainly in my lifetime, and this probably is going to go for everybody else listening to this who's under the age of World War II, if you were born after World War II, there was never a war that had anything to do in these last, what is it now, almost 80 years, not a single American war that had anything to do with protecting you, me, our families, our neighbors, our survival, not a single damn war, not Korea, not Vietnam, not invading the Dominican Republic, not just keep going down the list, my friends. Not Panama. Remember Panama? Not Grenada. Not Iraq the first time. Not Iraq the second time. None of it. None of it had anything to do with protecting the United States of America. Or I should say that it's people. Protecting American interests, oh yeah. A lot of those wars. Yeah. But but actually putting your life on the line so that others here in this country can live? No. One lie after another to us. Just like the Israeli people have been lied to, have not been served well, have not been protected. Same thing. That's why we recognize Netanyahu so well. Because he's our Nixon. He's our Johnson. He's our Reagan. He's our Bush. Maybe mix all of those together and you've got Netanyahu. So yeah, young people are against Biden now. It wasn't that way before. You know, young people, I love this great statistic. I keep quoting it. Uh, the only reason Obama won, do you realize this, is that uh, he won the white young demographic vote. In other words, uh, white people between the ages of 18 and I think 35, 35 or 39, voted for Barack Obama in 2008. No other age demographic that was white voted for Obama. In other words, the majority of them did not vote for Barack Obama. And yet he won the election because of a massive number of young people that showed up. And of course, women of all races and age groups came out for him. I mean, and as I'll say it again, the white male vote has only been won twice, I believe, since World War II, since Truman. Once in the Lyndon Johnson landslide over Barry Goldwater, less than a year after President Kennedy was assassinated, everybody came out to vote for Kennedy's vice president. And then the, um, the second time Clinton ran against Dole. Every other time in all those elections, 
the majority of white men in America voted for the Republican. And that means both Obama elections. That means Jimmy Carter. That means the first time Clinton ran. That's just the truth. You can look it up. And so now to lose young people? I mean, the, the modern democratic successes have been built with young people's votes. And now every poll shows that young people are against Biden, the majority. And some of them will vote for Trump just because most will choose not to vote or they'll vote, but they won't vote for president or they'll write somebody in or they'll get suckered into Robert Kennedy Jr. or you know whatever else might be on the ballot. And I think people in the Biden campaign know this and they've got a huge problem. And I would really suggest that they convince Joe Biden right now to do what young people want, to do what the majority of people of color want this. And again, again, I'll say it again. The majority of Americans do not want a war here. They don't want this, this killing of Palestinians. And the vast number of, you know, I think it's somewhere around 75% of Democrats across the country are opposed to this. So this is not a radical position to take. But Joe Biden, you are going to bring back Donald Trump and you're going to install him in the White House because of your actions, because you've not listened to the people and you've not listened to young people. You've not listened to Arab Americans and Muslims. And you can say to yourself, well, they're just like 1% of the vote. You realize how many of our elections in recent years have been won or lost by one percentage point. But Hillary lost to Michigan with 11,000 votes. Trump got 11,000 more votes in Michigan in 2016 than Hillary Clinton. 11,000. 102,000 this past Tuesday voted a no-confidence vote in Joe Biden because of this war. 102,000 in just Michigan. If just 11,000 of those people stay home or vote for some third party or whatever, and you lose Michigan, I mean, again, Michelle Goldberg, New York Times, Mr. Biden, if you lose Michigan, you're going to lose the November election. Talk about risking. People say, Michael, why are you involved in this uncommitted thing last Tuesday? You're going to risk Trump coming back. No, we're not risking it. We're trying to prevent it. We're trying to save Biden from himself. He has turned off so many people now that he risks losing states like Michigan, maybe by just a few thousand votes, but that's all it's going to take. Hillary lost Michigan by two votes per precinct on average throughout the state, two votes per precinct. Had two people just voted the other way, Hillary would have won Michigan. She lost the election because she lost Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. And it was so frightening to see Biden do what she did back in 2016 when uh, her advisors, certain advisors of hers, told her, don't go to Michigan, don't campaign in Michigan, don't campaign in Wisconsin. It'll just upset the Trumpsters more. 
and remind them they have to get out there and vote against you. So she didn't come. She didn't come. And she lost Michigan by two votes per precinct. And last week and the week before, in the days leading up to the Michigan primary, where was Joe Biden? Not in Michigan. Not trying to get votes. In fact, he was advised that it may be counterproductive. If you show up to campaign in Michigan, there's going to be protests. Large, loud protests of people who don't like murdering 30,000 people and using their tax dollars to do it. And so they convinced him not to go to Michigan. Instead, he was out at some rich person's fundraiser in San Francisco, someone who's a a key person uh, in the uh, supporting APAC, uh, which is the the lobby to help Israel get passed through the U.S. Congress, what it wants to get passed. So he went to that. And then he was at a number of fundraisers in one day. He was at three fundraisers uh, in New York City, raising more millions of dollars, which, you know, is his right to do, and he probably should do it. Uh, I was going to say because he's running against a, a, quote, billionaire who now owes at least a, over a half a billion dollars in various judgments against him and lawyers fees and whatever so i don't i don't know how to exactly add that up for trump but 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 my point is i deserve please hear what i'm saying our president the person that i and i think most of you voted for in 2020 chose to do what hillary did in 2016 and not come to michigan write us off because he was afraid he'd have to listen to young people protesting. He'd have to listen to Arab and Muslim Americans protesting. And that would be for bad TV. And a reminder to Americans all over the country, millions and millions, tens of millions of Americans who are opposed to this war, who are opposed to us funding the war, and who are opposed to any sort of fascism that is now running the state of Israel. That's not the Israel people signed up for. It almost makes you have to ask a whole lot of other questions, doesn't it? And so, President Biden, if you're listening to this, it's you who has funded the deaths of 30,000 people, two-thirds of them women, children, and the elderly. You. It's you who has embraced Benjamin Netanyahu. And it's you who is risking losing this election and helping Trump to win. Because so many young people, progressives, Arab Americans, Muslim Americans, People of color are not going to show up on election day. Or if they show up, again, another definition of the word, depressing the vote, you show up to vote. I'm not staying home, right? I'm sure a lot of you aren't staying home. We're not going to stay home. We're going to have to double and triple our efforts to make sure Trump doesn't get back in there. But we're going to show up. But 
But here's what happens when somebody like Biden depresses his own vote. He gets the people who are committed to voting for him to come vote, but they don't bring three people with them. They don't go out and knock on doors the two weekends before the election. They don't make phone calls for the two months leading up to the election. They're not happy about the decisions he's made in our name. And so therefore, their vote is depressed. They'll vote, but usually those people, especially the more activist types, they're the ones who bring three, five, 10 people to the polls. They're the ones who convince people at work who weren't going to vote, come on, we gotta go vote. We'll go get some brewskis afterwards. Let's go vote. People who are in college, they make it a thing. When they're excited about voting, they vote in droves. That is not going to happen when you embrace Benjamin Netanyahu and give him all the money he wants to conduct a vicious, brutal war. Not an act of self-defense. I don't think anybody from Hamas is going to be on a hang glider flying over the fence anytime soon. I think the point got made very early on. That's not what's going on now. Now they're trying to starve millions of people to death. They've turned the water off. The electricity is usually not on. No fuel is allowed in. No humanitarian aid. Occasional truck or two or five. No. No. You're paying for this, my friends. And I'm paying for it every single day that blood is on our hands and I beg President Biden to stop working as hard as he is to put Trump back in the White House there's still time to correct your mistake there's still time to do the right thing there's still time to reach out to young people. There's still time to think, I just think of all the hundreds, actually thousands of people I've met in Jewish Voice for Peace, the, the, the Jewish group here in the US, and they're also in Israel too, um, who have led so many demonstrations protesting uh, Biden's support of Netanyahu. I'm not Jewish, but I joined the group. In fact, anybody, anybody listening to me, you can join Jewish Voice for Peace. Go online, sign up, give them what you can. Not in our name is one of their banners. You, Netanyahu, are not to kill Palestinians to, quote, save Israel. You're not to do it in the Jewish name. It's an abomination. So many um, brave, I think, brave Jewish American citizens standing up right now. Boy, you have my respect. And we all honor you for it. And we'll do whatever we can to make sure 
whatever help you need, we're there for you. Because you stand for peace. Because you're not bigots, haters. No. So, uh, my friends, I just wanted to share with you my gratitude for those of you in Michigan who voted last week. 102,000 of you. Honest to God, we, we said, you remember us saying publicly, we hope we can get 10 to 15,000 votes. And over 100,000 of you came out. Wow. We know what a hole that tore right through the White House. And they still haven't figured out a week later what to do about it. What they should have done is, okay, we got the message. Cease fire now. No more money for armaments. No more supporting any apartheid-type actions. None of that. It's over. It's over. Not in our name. We're waiting, President Biden. Please listen to us. Not just Michigan. Listen to the rest of the country. For those of you still in primary states that have an uncommitted line on the ballot, use it and let the local press know why. Let people know that there are people in your town that are not committed to anyone running for office that supports this war. It's the only chance we have. Don't worry, we'll do the work we need to do to stop Trump. I'm not worried about that part of it, actually. I know a lot of you are frightened, but you're easily frightened by people. But you were the original people that wouldn't listen to me when I told you in 2016 that he was going to win. No way could that happen. Over and over, I had to suffer listening through all this and me trying to convince you that, oh no, this is really going to happen. And I remind you once again, on election day, November 2016, front page of the New York Times, Remember they, they used to have that little meter, that needle or whatever it was? What are the chances of Hillary winning today? What are the chances of Trump winning today? And on the front page on election day, it said that morning, that morning, Trump had only a 15, 15% chance of winning the election today, November 2016. And everybody was so stunned, shocked, shocked. Well, that's because a lot of people on our side didn't listen, didn't see what was going on. I'm telling you, we're setting ourselves up for another situation like this. And I wouldn't have said this a year ago. A year ago, I would say, look, I know what the polls are saying and whatever, Trump is not gonna win. I felt that way the first, really the bulk of the first three years of the Biden administration. The American people are not going to put Trump back in the White House. You know, they're going to realize the good that Biden has done. So I can't even believe a year later, here I am saying this to you. But it's not, not because of you and I haven't done anything to make this happen. Biden himself has done it to himself. 
and I'm pleading with you, Mr. President. Save yourself. For the good of the country, save yourself. We'll do our job. We'll make sure Trump does not enter the Oval Office ever again. But you need to understand that the die has been cast and you've played a very risky game here. And I'll never understand it, frankly. History won't understand it. You better leave a note behind explaining your actions. That's it for today. Thanks, everybody. Keep having your voice be heard, and perhaps the president will hear it, and perhaps we'll get our ceasefire, and we'll do it, everything we can to save the Palestinian people. I'm Michael Moore, and this is Rumble. Thanks to my executive producer and editor, Angela Vargas. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.